Come at me, bro. 1v1 me mid. Hello, it's Wednesday, December 2nd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you the delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, myself, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? It's going good, man. I like that intro. Solid. Tasty. I like to throw a little bit of flavor (laughs) on there. Is it suddenly better because I'm not doing it? Is that what you're saying, Tyler? No, that's not what I said. It was just we didn't have to go there. Change it up. It's, I feel like this is a normal human biological response to change. It's scary and fun. Actually, I think it's usually quite negative. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said. Scary <laughs> and fun. <laughs> Did you ever watch the Last Dance, the, the Michael Jordan documentary? Uh, the yeah, documentary. Yeah. No, so hold on, wait a minute, Tyler. Tyler, <laughs> did you watch the Last Dance? I didn't know he was a dancer. <laughs> There's. Many things I hate about you, and this is one of them. <laughs> as soon as my, my point here is, as soon as you congratulated him on his intro, my mind immediately went to that gif of Michael Jordan sitting there saying, and then it got personal. In that, in that documentary, in that documentary, almost I think it was 10 episodes, nearly every single episode, Michael Jordan would say, he would talk about some event that happened that seemingly would just be nothing, right? Like Could one of his competitors left the court without coming and shaking his hand, right? Or yeah, something you would have never noticed without him telling you, sort of. Exactly. Thing, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, and it, and it was always like a playoff series or something. And he was like, because he did that, it got personal, right? And then Jordan went on to destroy them in the, in the series. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. <laughs> God, you know, it's, it's amazing awesome. you bring that up. I, I think, I mean, Buley, I, I know. I know you played sports as well, and uh, I played a little bit of them. There was a there was a thing that people could do to me that no one else would know would drive me crazy, and I honestly think to this day it would drive me crazy. And especially when I was a kid, because you know, candidly, I was just a cocky high school basketball player. I thought I was a lot better than I really was. I, I very quickly learned in college that I wasn't that great, but. I think that was all of us at that age. <laughs> it probably was. <clears throat> but this is the most absurd thing. So I'm probably going to blast myself here a little bit. But it was, it, it still drives me crazy. And every now and then what would happen is I would have the ball. I played basketball, for those who don't know. And I'd have the ball somewhere around the three-point line, which is where I spent a significant amount of my time. And I would get it. And the defender would stop defending me. Like they would turn their back to me. <laughs> and walk away and it would infuriate me like in my mind i'd be like do you not know what's about to happen (laughs) and this would this would be like some random stranger in 24-hour fitness who in no way shape or form would know who i am and i'm like disgusted by this act of disrespect and so like michael jordan who has way more reason to have this like yeah then it got personal but i will say i was never that person who when when i got mad that i played worse um i actually usually played better so it never really did work out for the person who did it but it was just always a i'd reflect on it after the game and i'm like there's no way this guy knows me why am i so upset about this (laughs) but in the moment you know you're a different person yeah i always found i played better again talking about basketball when i was talking like when i was talking and communicating my game was all That's better. why you said so much on the court. I was so confused. Buley never <laughs> stops talking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't actually remember you um, really being oh. that vocal on the court whenever we I, I thought you were just going to do full stop it. I don't remember you on the court. <laughs> it's like, dang. 
ring. I'm just going to put my headset down. You guys are going to fight it out. I can admit it. <laughs> Bewley beat me in uh, in like a game of 21 or something like that. Yeah, but you had a broken ankle. It was right, we should play, probably get but, to the tech news. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I do have one thing that I want to bring up from uh, this day in yesterday's history once again because they just don't update the site quick enough for us to get today in history by the time we do the show. But I think it's a good one. December 1st, 1996. Who wants to guess? December 1st, 1996? Yeah. What What was Ooh. what was hot in the 90s in, um, in tech? Sega? Um, no. Sega S- was hot uh, in the 90s. Well, that's not it. N64? Was not the dream of video games. No, that was that. <laughs> Has anyone ever heard of AOL? Nope. Was about to, that was my next guess. Was something <laughs> internet related? I mean, you guys remember the... The trials, right? I mean, everyone had yes. the trials, CDs with. I found one of those hours. recently. I think I tweeted it out. That, gosh, I say recently. That probably was last year now. But yeah. Well, on December first, nineteen ninety six, American Online uh, launched a new subscription plan offering for their subscribers, which offered unlimited uh, dial-up uh, internet access for nineteen ninety five a month. And they continued to send the free minute CDs and probably still floppies at that point to people all the time. Free 21,946 minutes. (laughs) Minutes, yeah. It's like, well, it takes me back to when we had uh, mobile phone minutes each month as well. It's funny you say that because I didn't actually know their charge rate before that. That I think I assumed you had that um, unlimited before it was apparently nine ninety five for five hours of usage. That's what AOL's price oh, really? was okay. before. What Man. do you guys remember Prodigy before yeah, AOL? Yeah, no, 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 not the band. Prodigy, the email service, the the internet oh, no. service provider. It was it was the one I had before AOL, or I say I had my family. This was young me days, I but not. I don't remember its pricing. Uh, strategy either, but I think it was very similar. But I remember AOL was totally crushing it and killing those players. I feel like Netscape and stuff like that, is that right? Came oh, yeah. later? Like some of the really low cost yeah. ones, uh, they came out after that, right? Like they were they were trying to undercut AOL. And- I don't know, man. I was just busy trying to find those CDs for the free hours. <laughs> CDs? <laughs> it's all about the floppy, man. Yeah, Alright. <laughs> what else we got? Let's see. Today... In today, uh, today's daily history, this day in history, December second, two thousand one, mm-hmm. Enron right filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Ooh, man, that was ugly. Yeah. That was. A really We've all watched ugly. that documentary, I assume. Yeah, the smartest guys in the room, or something. Yeah, what a ridiculous entire just scenario that 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 all went through. You know, it's interesting since it's in Houston. I feel like we should have Nicholson on to talk about this. I should. I we should we should probably get him on Friday. Uh, we missed November's last Friday because it was a holiday weekend, you know, bookend. But uh, it's Financial Friday time for sure. Ooh, need to have another Financial Friday. Speaking of Houston, HPE is moving to Texas, and they're going to Houston. Uh, oh, yeah. So actually, actually, I I should clarify. It's not HPE. That's what it says in our show notes. HPE, which is I actually worked for them uh, about ten years ago. Has always been in Texas, so they. I guess say that title confused me. Yeah, so it was, it was formerly HPES um, from the acquisition of Ross Perot's old company. Uh, mm. I can't, don't know why I'm forgetting EDS. the name of it. Yes, correct. Thank you, EDS. 
So EDS is headquartered in Plano, and that was always the enterprise service arm of HP post-acquisition, I think, in 2007 or 2008. Mm-hmm. So HP always always been here, but they did split, and they became HPI and HPE. So HPI, which was headquartered in Palo Alto, the original headquarters, they're the ones you think of when you think of HP printers and mm-hmm. laptops and whatever else. So they're the ones that are actually moving to Texas, then HPE all was already the, here. All the news articles got this wrong because if you just Google HP moving to Texas, every article says Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Interesting. Yeah, they're confused. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they want that, that was is, is or, in Plano. It, yeah, unless is, they moved out like of a, Plano. Or yeah, or is it like a financial filing thing? I don't know. I have not dug into that, but I confused me because you know we're close to that headquarter. Right. Yeah, but there's definitely two separate companies, and I'm I'm 99% certain the one that's moving is the one that is laptops and printers and mm. stuff like that. And that was the one based out of Palo Alto. The one that originally bought EDS and became HPES and then eventually changed to HPE. Yeah, The uh, so Antonio Neri, the company CEO, said... As we look to the future, our business needs opportunities for cost savings and team members' preferences about the future of work. We're excited to relocate HPE's headquarters to the Houston region. Well, maybe they're relocating Dallas they, as well. I was going to say, are they um, moving from Houston because to Dallas? Antonio Dallas Neri is the CEO of HPE specifically. Yeah. Well, there it is. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I'll know. It's it. interesting because of the the HPI was the one in Palo Alto. And it's because I the articles that I saw actually were explicitly about the Palo Alto headquarters of HPI. So maybe they're both moving uh, yeah. to, to Houston for all I know. They well, did cut down half that building whenever whenever I was employed there. They actually uh, cut down half the building of that God Tower, as they called it in uh, the God Pod. Plano. The God Pod. Yeah. They're yeah. In Plano. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. Well. Okay. I mean, I'm not really surprised by it. I'm I mean, not either. Saw Toyota leave. Uh, what was that? Three or four years ago, and come to North Texas. Mm-hmm. HP. Have, have we seen many moving to Houston? Texas. I wonder because I, I know we've had a uh, lot come to North the Texas. Really big it's, ones. I don't. I don't feel like it. Uh, and and I might. I'm sure I'm missing a few. But uh, what it was. Um. There's a. What's the big farm, farmers insurance? Are they the ones that moved to North Texas too? That doesn't sound right. It is a different insurance, but a very large one. Uh, of course, um, Toyota was massive. Um, there have been a few to the North Texas or that DFW Metroplex area. I don't hear about Houston as much, but Houston is such a large business center that it wouldn't surprise me if they just didn't register as like huge names you know about. My guess is businesses are moving to Houston all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. But, it probably but large is. ones. HP does have a very large customer base in Houston just because of the oil and gas side. Yeah, of oil things. and gas, sure. Yeah, so that, I mean, it makes sense for the, the user base and, and employee set that they've had there in the past, especially whenever they had owned Compaq, which pretty sure was based in Houston at one point in time. So they, they have history. Oh, they were in Plano, in too. I can, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they had a pretty big office, at least in, in the Houston area. Once again, that we need surprising. Nicholson on for this stuff. You're right. I feel like you would But know. they have a history there, for sure, in Houston. So I think there's there's some semblance of sense there. We're getting just, really uh, specific about Texas geography for our global listeners. <laughs> sure are. Audience. Sorry about that. <laughs> Maybe let's let's, be, let's be honest. People outside of the U.S. probably have a better hold on our geography than we do. 
don't know, man. I went to Italy, uh, was it like eight years ago to visit Tyler for his 30th birthday and to celebrate the birth of his daughter and all this kind of fun stuff. And at the time, I lived in Oklahoma and uh, people were like, where are you from? I was like, Oklahoma. They're like, uh, I was like, it's just north of Texas. And they'd be like, psh, 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 psh. yeah, you know, they do the finger guns and they, they know where Texas is. Nope. Nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody cares about Oklahoma. <laughs> <It's> Texas. <laughs> everybody knows about Texas. They might not care, but they do know. <laughs> Big news. Salesforce Big is acquiring news. Slack. What do we yeah. think? That's what, what I want to know. How big the, of a deal is this? Twenty-seven point wow. seven billion. That's how that's big a big of a deal. deal it is. That's Boom. a big deal. That's a lot of. That's a lot that's of. The biggest. That's the biggest Salesforce acquisition. Is it not? I thought. I thought I read that I somewhere. That's what? the largest biggest, single acquisition. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say yes because I can't think yes. any others. <laughs> yeah, hands down. Well, I'm you sure they've made some other acquisitions. That is, that's the only one I'm aware of being huge. But I mean, Salesforce is massive. So yeah, yeah. But 27.7 billion is a lot of. It's a lot, lot of, of shells, so. a lot of clams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so well, I wonder what this means. I, you know, I'm thinking of Slack, and you know, when I think of Slack, I think of basically the I, maybe the free version of it, where this is ran by so many just distributed communities, as I'm going to call them, that are not, you know, a part of a specific organization. You know, yeah. we we use it to combine p- things like VXpert. You know, are a common thing that are used in that platform. It's it's the free version of Slack that's used. Is Salesforce going to maintain that support for the broader community, or is it going to turn into a I need a license for this? Man, thing? I, I, I feel gonna, like they'll keep it free, yeah, for, maybe for or a keep while. the way it's done there. But that's my I'm, one question or concern I, here. I think the fear alone. My prediction is that you're going to see sort of those those free users and those groups that are more social, less enterprise, are going to go to platforms like Discord, um, which continue to be free and easy to manage and similar in concept, um, as well as being broadly used and updated regularly. But um, that because uh, they might. Salesforce might maintain some of the free stuff, but I just don't see it happening long run because it ultimately affects their bottom line and they're a public company. So, ouch, right? That hmm. you can't you can't do that and make your shareholders happy with the fact that you are spending a lot of time, resources, money on on something that doesn't generate new revenue, unless they can prove, and maybe they can. Maybe that's where some of the valuation comes from: is that those uh, those free groups are leaning into you know, sort of freemium features and then ultimately purchasing enterprise grade stuff. That's just my, my guess. Yeah. Here, let me read a a couple of quotes here from the Salesforce CEO. Um, Mark, how do you, have y'all heard his last name being pronounced? I don't know how to say it. Benioff. Uh, Yeah. I I haven't, I I haven't heard it said either. It's B E N I O F F. Um, I follow him on Twitter. I've read his name a bunch, but I've never heard anybody say it. I need to go find an interview or something. Anyway, so uh, the CEO of Salesforce, uh, Mark B, says, I get to look out my window and do you know what I see? The Slack logo because the Slack building is right next to my building. He's referencing in San Francisco. I'm looking into their building all the time. That idea that these two great companies are right next to each other in Salesforce Park is amazing. It's a perfect match for both of us. It's going to extend our companies, make us both stronger. And look, we've spent much more than a decade focusing on this vision that we've had for social enterprise. He then goes on to say, when they came to me, and he's referring to, uh, let's see, the Slack founder and CEO, Stuart Butterfield, and Salesforce's chief operating officer, Brett Taylor. Apparently, they were talking 
came to Mark with the idea. Hey, when they brought me this idea that Salesforce and Slack should come together, he said, his eyes lit up. Uh, this is the next generation of the customer 360, quote unquote, right? This is our ultimate vision of having this incredible user interface on top of all these services with all these channels and all the collaboration running on all these devices and integration interactions and the ecosystem. That's his quote. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. As a sales engineer, so somebody who's tied to the sales end of an organization and that has to interface regularly with uh, Salesforce um, as as the giant they are in the, that customer management space, um, the, the ad hoc Slack integrations for even something as simple as updating Salesforce or, or keeping track of it are painful. If they can bring those two platforms together and actually make them sort of work in harmony, I will be a happier employee. I'm, I'm very excited actually about what potentially comes from this, seeing as I spend a lot of time in Slack yeah. and I spend a lot of time in Salesforce. Like right. If they can really marry those two platforms in a meaningful way, then I'm all for it. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, more upside than downside for sure for me. Even yeah, it'll be interesting. So marrying a, a, a powerful CRM tool, right, with what um, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, Benioff is positioning Slack as quote the central nervous system of so many companies. It could get really powerful. Yeah, I mean, think about like uh, chat ops and and all of the sort of automation centric sides of Slack. I don't know if you guys end up interfacing with it like that often, and I. I won't pretend like I do a ton, but I see it. And I'm always curious about how it works. And, and I've seen people do some pretty powerful things with that. But some of the very advanced features in Slack, uh, again, you tie that to the CRM side of it and boom, you're going to make a lot of people's lives easier. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What else? What else we have in here? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm still sitting here flabbergasted by this whole HPE headquarters thing just because I did work there at one point in time. So I'm on their Wikipedia trying to figure out where in the heck their headquarters is. <laughs> yeah. uh, it turns out they both had headquarters like HPI and E in San Jose, Palo Alto area. So clearly okay. they must have shifted the... They kept the building, but must have shifted the headquarters the from tax. Plano to Palo yeah. Alto at some point in time. But I'm seeing interesting things here. Like in 2019, HPE acquired a AWS consulting workhorse uh, cloud technology partner and just some random other things that I wasn't aware of, even though you know, I would do interact with HPE fairly regularly and in my my business so it's just interesting to see the things i'm learning about hpe as i try to prove myself right but only continue to prove myself wrong uh, as, I, <laughs> as i dive down this rabbit hole russ russ put the shovel down okay ah i hate it move on let's move on uh, what do we got okay here? so i saw this one we i want to tread a little bit lightly here <laughs> so we don't get too riled up um Ooh, but we've talked up. about section we've talked we talked about section 230 on the show a whole bunch Opened up the news this morning and I saw Trump threatens to veto major defense bill. This is a roughly trillion dollar defense bill um, unless Congress repeals Section 230, uh, what the what the Washington Post calls a legal shield for tech, tech giants. How to uh, piss off both major parties simultaneously in the United States for 200, please. <laughs> Seriously, you, you are like... Uh, the left is more likely to, well, um, maybe this is a wrong statement, but I feel like a lot of left-leaning are le less likely to want to see the free and open internet standards get eroded based on basically an executive act 
And conservatives are going to lose their freaking mind over a trillion dollars in defense spending getting kiboshed for what feels like a personal reaction to some things that are happening basically on Twitter. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, Obama vetoed this the same thing, um, mm. and and it didn't happen because there is a, I guess, certain amount of votes that something can attain to where it becomes yeah. unvetoable. And this seems to get it every year. And so when it, when Obama tried to do it a few years ago, it, he I guess effectively couldn't. Like he did veto it, but nothing happened. Sure. It still went through. Yeah, I, I expect this would be well, the same what? scenario. You vetoed the spending? The the defense, dollar. He, yeah, he, he he vetoed the exact same thing. It goes through every single year, and he it, he vetoed because the same of thing. Section two thirty though. No, 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 no. The reason I'm sure was different. Uh, oh, Obama yeah. and uh, Trump could not be more different individuals. But he he still vetoed it. Is my point? Uh, yeah. So that that, that is he a good point. This, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go through. I, I'm just surprised that I guess Trump would play that card. Maybe I'm just missing something politically here. But as a Republican president, a conservative president in the United States, vetoing a defense spending bill is decidedly not conservative in our political spectrum. It is financially, but that is a totally different deep, deep right. that we'd have to get into. Um, it, it's, it seems strange to me. Yeah, it's not something you would expect to see a conservative president in the United States doing. This isn't the leverage that they would make. Whether it's effective or not is I mean, irrelevant, I guess, if it's just going to get overturned, which I would guess it is. That's um, that's what it sounds like, just based on tertiary reading this morning. Sure. There was it was it was a whole bunch of you know you see on Twitter and it's like he's going to do this, and then people are like, but that's, Obama did it, and they just go back and forth, and well, so that's, that's the stuff I saw me. stuff too. So, but why don't they treat these things as separate? Why? Because what I'm reading is Section 230 protections are being slipped into the National Defense Authorization Act, right? Dude, these are separate conversations, the, and that's have you his ever point. Seen- is that he wants to. No, I know. Have you ever seen the cartoon about the bill? Like this is how yes. American politics oh, and American bill writing works. Is we we put all kinds of stuff. What don't they call it? Like pork fat. But it, yeah, the bills I, I'm just not ignorant of that happening. Stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying this is this seems like an, an extremely egregious version. Even though there is a lot of egregious versions of this, but this just seems like a personal vendetta that is. Um, being slipped into the National Defense Authorization Act. Well, that's yeah. why. I mean, he's, he's, he's been yelling about this thing for years, so I guess but, that's not overly surprising. Yeah, but I also no. think that the reaction here is that well thought out from a Section 230 perspective. And again, I maybe I need to be educated. If I'm way off and you're listening to this, please come on the show and talk to us about Section 230. I mean, my take on it is the. And, and I think we've kind of all come to the same sort of agreement, but the the platform companies are not responsible and can't ever be wholly responsible for what is being said on their platforms. Yeah. It kills all social media. Yeah, it does. There, there is some nuance, I think, and I wish I had it in front of me, but I don't. There's some like specific aspects of section 230 that I think are challengeable, but I think the general premise of, of the making say Twitter responsible for something that, any one of us puts on there uh, is is a bit ludicrous. So that particular yeah. aspect of it, which I do believe is Trump's primary thing that he doesn't like, I yeah, I'm pretty sure that's I, what he doesn't weird. like. I guess is, I guess that's is, my, is, my, is a struggle, and it, and it would kill question, the open internet as we know it. Right. So my real yeah. question is what whatever he is putting in with regard to Section two hundred and thirty and changes that he wants to make to it, 
what are those specific changes? Is he challenging some parts that could stand to be made better, stronger, you know, to make what we have more efficient, effective, whatever? Or is he actually just trying to to put the burden on social platforms for their users and what they say? Because the second, the latter, that's ugly. And that's I think has no place. Well, what, is it that what are the details and what he's actually injecting? Well, he wants the he wants it removed. He wants Section 230 removed. The whole and thing. He just called, wants to delete Section 230. That's what it looks like. That's what I'm reading. And again, that's if insane. somebody knows more about this, and, and, and it's being referred to as, quote, legal protections for Silicon Valley. It's being called a legal shield for tech giants. Like, this isn't... <sighs> I, it's, it's just insane. You can't insane throw the baby me. out like, with the bathwater in this. It's too nuanced. You just can't. Right. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's an element of, I, I guess I don't know how to say it, the, the aspects of the idea that a, you know, a, whatever one of these providers could, could be responsible for all of this just sort of leads to, it's sort of a hypocritical side of this censoring, right? Because if they're going to be responsible for what people say, they're going to have to censor what people say, but then aren't people in Trump's camp also kind of complaining about censoring on platforms so of wouldn't course. this lead to more of it i i yeah, don't know i don't i don't know if that's the case but i think i read it a little slope. bit that way it's a yeah. slippery slope and it's one that that's really ugly when it comes to free speech and then it, it's even uglier when it comes to free speech and your business right yeah, yeah uh, i agree this is not this is not a simple issue at all, and I, I think if it is as egregious as delete section two thirty and and then see what happens legal fallout wise tomorrow, then I just like I'm fully against that. I, okay. I think I'm just going to echo Bewley's sentiment. Someone that listens to this show knows more about section two thirty <laughs> yes, than we do, and I think it'd be worth sitting down and having a discussion around some of the specifics uh, of of you know yeah what's really going on here. Double points if you do actually understand what um, President Trump is trying to do right now, right? Is it is it as um, aggressive as just I will award triple protections? Triple. Oh, there you Ooh, go. Triple, triple points. points. Yep. Triple you can't points. triple stamp a double stamp. You oh, I just did. Double stamp. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Yeah. Speaking you of Dumb and Dumber, let's just move bird. on. Moving <laughs> on. Man, I saw uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, a couple no, of space no. items. No. Okay. Come fine, on. Go ahead. We got we got a pivot. You brought up the last three. It's somebody else's turn, Aaron. Okay, fine. <laughs> China's Chang Five spacecraft success, successfully landed on the moon, which is really cool. What? We talked is about that a that human? A while ago. Just now? No, no, no. Chang Chang. Uh, well, within the last day or two, I don't. I what? Don't actually, know exactly. Why did I not did. see this? Was but it we, not we live talked about on YouTube. We talked about them lifting off, and we talked about their contribution um, as as another nation that's actually successfully, hopefully, sending a an air, uh, spacecraft to the moon. This, of course, is the other end of the equation. They successfully lifted off uh, a few days ago, and now they have successfully landed on the moon. So, boom, we have another nation state that has successfully landed something on the moon. Of course, it, it's intended to come back, so still some more legs to the journey, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. Is that three now? Like us, Russia, it is, I believe China? so. It's just Russia. This is just US a China. robot probe, though, right? Uh, I yes. uh, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. manned. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not manned. Yeah. Okay, not manned. 
That's what I was going to say. It would be a bigger deal if it was another human that landed again on the moon. Well, that's but you got to start somewhere. This is still oh, this for, is sure, huge, for sure. Right? For I mean, sure. We're, we, everyone seems everyone. Uh, the large nations that have significant space programs seem to be talking again about going back to the man, uh, the moon in manned space missions. But this, it's great for science and scientific progress that China is in that mix in a meaningful way, in my opinion. Yeah, it looks like, you know, as I look this up, um, their personal missions are getting human, not personal, their nation missions are getting uh, robots to Mars and humans back on the moon. There you go. I want to see it in my lifetime. So what, looks like someone it's gonna happen. Do it. I don't care cool. who does it. I want to see. You want to see what? Do. Another human on the moon? Oh, another human. Yeah, on the moon. I want to see a human yeah. on the moon. Oh, for sure, dude. We're gonna have moon bases. 4K baby. By the time we're, yeah, we're gonna have, space. We're force. gonna, we're gonna have moon bases. We're gonna have lasers on the on the far side of the moon to shoot asteroids flying. We're gonna okay, we're gonna get we're gonna the have the array of satellites that can shoot asteroids, right? Or yeah. Spinning around we're not gonna be able to get out of our own atmosphere because we're gonna be covered in satellites. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's I've, true. I've, <laughs> oh my god. But the real question is, will we bother to maintain it? I don't know if you guys saw the news about the Archibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. Of it course collapsed. we did. It, yeah. it collapsed. And uh, I'm I'm actually I'm sad about this for a lot of reasons. One, because I started to read. Uh, some notes and commentary from the scientific community. Um, and obviously it's been a staple for radio telescopic research for a very long time. But um, it, it basically, it collapsed because of poor maintenance. So Puerto Rico, the United States and, and other funding partners basically did not continue to do what was necessary to keep the cables holding the, the sort of laboratory um, in sh- good shape. It, uh, the main cable snapped. The, the teams were not even allowed to go back into the observatory's uh, laboratory to retrieve very expensive and you know modern scientific equipment because it was deemed unsafe. And then it collapsed, and they will be trying to retrieve some of that. But uh, it, it is an older um, satellite. It's been around, I think, for over 60 years. It's been sort of a staple in the scientific community. And, and so there are some downsides to how old it was. But... It turns out that radio telescopic research facilities are in high demand. So you think you basically have to go vie with other scientific research projects to get time on the satellite. This observatory being gone is really bad news for basically time at any telescope because it will just spread thinner the the few remaining large ones, modern or otherwise. The other really sad thing is... And, and I know you guys will remember this if you didn't think about it immediately. This is the telescope that James Bond ran across yeah. in GoldenEye. Yeah, in GoldenEye. And when, so when I first in, saw that, I yep. was like, that's the GoldenEye telescope. Yep. GoldenEye telescope. So, yes. Transported so back it, to the late 90s. It's sad for that, that reason. And then I'm personally even more sad because I love science and technology. And I've been to Puerto Rico once, and it was... I don't know, it was probably going on 10 years ago now. And it didn't even occur to me to go see this. And now you can't. Hmm. Well, you can oh. go see it just in a degraded state. Well, it's it's a great thing. It's a smoking hole in the ground, right? Um, one, one thing that was really neat, though, is that they actually, when they built it, um, the I think it's UNESCO is where the agreement was through. Um, don't quote me on that. But basically, the, they had to... Um, they are guaranteed to clean the site and restore it to its traditional um, nature state. Uh, so it will absolutely be 
you know, cleaned up and excavated, but it will not be rebuilt, it looks like. So good that they'll clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see in this? The, the tech side of this is that Apple is involved, but Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple reportedly lobbied to weaken a bill aimed at preventing them from manufacturing products in China using forced name I can't pronounce labor. U I G H U R. Weaker. Yeah. Weaker. Yeah, dude. Those are that's like, um, <laughs> um prison encampment slave. right yeah. like it's bad yeah i, 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 I heard about that, that like, a while back and so i joke. thought that's what this was um, yeah so read the read the the article again i didn't see this or the headline the, the headline to... yeah it says nike coca-cola and apple reportedly lobbied to weaken a bill that is aimed at preventing them from manufacturing products in China using Wait, forced, forced labor, labor. With, yeah. with these no, people. they want to do that? Really yeah, bad. They're, they're, yeah, it's a horrible look. I For mean, shame, Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, and, and I wish I had details. I wish I understood exactly when the, when they say weakening the bill, what did they weaken? Um, because it, it's easy to take something like there's a particular statement in a bill they lobby to have that statement taken out, apply it to the intent of the bill, which in this case is, you know, trying to prevent forced labor from being used for the production of goods, especially for U.S. companies. I assume it's multinational. Hope it is, but um, but no matter what, like they need to come back strong and explain what the heck they were trying to do, yeah, and just fix it. So that's the, ugly. the bill is interesting. It says that the bill would ban many goods imported from Xinjiang. I think I did that right. I'm actually pretty proud of myself. Unless <laughs> companies prove they weren't made with forced labor. So that was the yeah. essence of the bill was okay. to prove that your goods are not made with forced labor. And it's and it's not just those three. I think those are just the biggest names. There's a couple other ones on here yeah. uh, of other groups that also lobbied um, a, you know, to to weaken this bill or for it not to pass or, or something along those so lines. that makes that makes a lot more sense to me um because i can understand why a company like nike or apple um would or coca-cola too would uh push really hard against a bill that is putting the burden of proof of something like that on them think think about right. it, like sub-tier mm. providers down how far in the chain so i kind of understand i I don't care personally. I th- it, I don't care that they don't like that. I think it's ridiculous that they're fighting against it. I don't think even understanding why they're going to come back and say this burden is too high for us, I, I think is a garbage reason not to put the onus on oh, okay. the, the companies that are making as much money as they are, right? Like Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple have the resources to figure this out. They just don't want to sacrifice the margin to do it. Right. So I understand the business incentive to fight something like this, but they absolutely deserve the shade they're getting for doing it. I guess I, you know, I'm curious here. What is Coca-Cola making over there? Are they making Cokes and then they ship them over here? I feel like I want that stuff to be a little bit more fresh. I haven't had one in probably 20 <laughs> years. But, but are they made all the way across the world and then shipped over no, here? It's made, it's made for that side of the world. Um, I also yeah. see Costco and Patagonia linked to this as well, but I mean, Apple, so apparently some of this stuff leaked, and I, I don't know if it's coming to light in the right way here, but I mean, it does smell funny, right? But they disputed the claim that they tried to weaken the bill. Uh, company, strongest supplier, blah, blah, blah. So they said, looking for the presence of forced labor as part of every supplier assessment we conduct, and any violations of our policies carry immediate consequences, including business termination. 
Um, so, so they're arguing, I'm sure that from a lobbying perspective, they're, they're arguing that they already do what they're supposed to do for this. But clearly someone who's putting this bill in place doesn't think that's true. And they put some sort of stronger regulatory arm on proving it, right? So they don't want the burden of proof to say that they've done the appropriate amount of due diligence through their supply chain to prove that forced labor wasn't used. But even still, man, that, that reeks uh, of like, no, I don't, I'm with you. I don't care to put in the effort to uh-huh. not take advantage of these, um, the, the Uyghur minorities in that region. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's and they'll spend money to prevent having to spend money on it. Yeah. It's forced labor of Muslims in this region in, in China. I mean, it's, it's horrific. Yeah, it's it's awful. I mean, it's you know, China's been. I think there's been issues with like, you know what is it uh, like child labor there before, and and I've always kind of wondered. You know, we obviously have very different values than than China, which is fine. But it's I've always wondered like on the child labor things like do they just define a working age as like ten years old and we define it as eighteen or whatever? You know, like I don't know. It, it seems terrible to us, but this is feels even more egregious at times than some of the stuff I heard about that. Uh, just because it's it just the whole forceful side of it, it, mm-hmm. it just that's universally wrong in my mind. So I, well, I actually, the, the same crazy. arguments are made about child labor. Um, if you if you go back and you look at sort of the history of that your your question, I think, is a valid question from a legal perspective. But there there is good precedent for. Um, if, if for no other reason, making sure that the growing population in emerging economies get edu- get access to education, right? Because they right. have time, they aren't working yeah, all the time, of right? Course. So international pressure, usually through these mega corporations that are helping build their economy. So it's it's always a balance, right? We we help them change their laws so that children don't end up in a position where they can or should be working to feed their families. Is so, that changed now? It should be. For I don't China? know what I don't know what the age is in China, but we did this in we. I say we because often hell, Coca Cola has been in the news for my entire life for using basically questionable labor sources since the beginning of it. It's corporate, you know. Okay. Birth. <laughs> so, sorry, just reading more on this, and maybe this was already said as I was trying to look this up, but. I mean, the, the whole bill, it just bans goods imported from that city unless companies prove specifically they weren't made with forced labor. Which you so would it's, have to, it's very specific to that city. Yes, because of what's going on there. And you would have to assume that, I mean, it's just, it, it's why, why even put yourself in a situation <laughs> where it could be interpreted that you are leveraging right. this 100%. forced labor. Just don't Money. do business there. I yeah. know, I know money. It always, it, always it's, it's always, money. it's always the same damn thing, right? Yeah, and and I guess what I, what I was kind of getting at there, ridiculous. like Coke or Nike in particular has, has been in the spotlight multiple times over our lifetimes for the same sorts of things. It's like using child labor to, to put shoes together. I remember in the nineties going back. To I remember 90s, that. Right? Yeah. That's, that's like um, my, that's my image that I have in my head when I think of child labor yeah, is absolutely in a factory putting shoes together. Be, because it, and it took social pressure. Uh, probably from good investigative research, you know, reporting to basically get Nike to get behind fixing these problems. And this is exactly the same stuff. It's pointing out their bad behavior so that they can change that behavior. Like I, 
I don't feel bad for them. I, I think it's terrible that this is even something they're fighting. Well, journalists, we appreciate you. Yeah, we do. the things that you do. Okay, we got like two minutes left. Um, okay, I wanted to I wanted to get y'all's take on this. So this startup behind Facebook's new reality show, and again, we can't seem to go a show without talking about Facebook. We need to, <laughs> we need to sue Facebook for this. There's a Facebook reality show? Yeah, are million thanking dollars. Facebook for all the content? I mean, uh, they want like to our show upend, is tech news, no, but, and they provide a lot of tech news. Dude, listen to this. <laughs> they want to upend cloud entertainment. Okay. Like uh, imagine, table flip it? So no, here. So I'm going to read the I'm going to read the the intro paragraph from this article on Protocol.com. Imagine yelling at live television and the characters actually hear you and respond in real time. Imagine watching a live streamer and affecting the content of the game they're playing while they're playing just by clicking or tapping the stream itself. Yeah, that sounds sounds like the next generation of that's that's uh, a thing with, with reality TV, which was terrible. So imagine online worlds you can explore with other real people simply through an interactive video stream, no downloads of any kind required, et cetera. So there's, there's, they're just talking about next level uh, gaming. The uh, sound like gaming and the reality ef- show. The effect of armchair yelling at stuff. So there, <laughs> there is a game. It's called Hyperscape. Uh, Ubisoft publishes and, and maybe develops it. I'm not sure. But it's a you know it's a battle royale game. It's not very popular, so you maybe have never heard of it. But the the people outside of the game, so like people who are watching streams of said game, can basically vote on changes to the map. And so yeah. that that is a thing that exists at least in cool. some form today. Like I said, it it wasn't very popular. Um, I, I suspect it's probably not going to be around much longer, but that was an interesting side of it. It sounds like that's what they're, they're taking this to like <clears throat> almost hunger games level. It's like, you just have this outside force that manipulates whatever's going on. Yeah. Well, know? it's called, so it's called rival peak and it's kind of funny. It, it says trying to succinctly describe rival peak in traditional terms quickly descends into buzzword purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an interactive live reality show. Uh, it also is massively multiplayer. It's AI-powered cloud streaming game. It's oh, just like, stop. oh my <laughs> gosh. I just threw my up brain an just broke. No, so it says, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For example, here's how Rival Peak works. Rival Peak is a Facebook Originals animated reality show. So it's animated reality running over 12-week season. The dozen contestants are digital what? characters. Yeah, digital characters <laughs> from around the world who've been dropped in a forest in the Pacific Northwest at the base of a mysterious mount numa they're competing for the opportunity to have one of their deepest wishes fulfill etc so it goes on to describe it like a mix of lost meets fantasy island meets survivor but then you well, have, it sounds are, like a neat humans concept, controlling but, the animated yeah, characters yes you have the okay. audience controlling what happens and dictating it's so it's like so choose is, your own adventure with, with that's what two million of your Fortnite. angriest friends <laughs> i don't know it sounds hurts <laughs> my brain <laughs> I don't know. The concept does sound novel. I don't want to completely knock it because I, I don't think I can wrap my head around it. Like no, well, you, you threw a bunch of buzzwords out there and I became even more disgusted with the concept. But maybe it's just because we don't have a good way to describe it. It sounds neat. Maybe it'll take off. And th- this isn't cool like, until you're watching The Bachelor and there's like just like this explosion that happens in the background. <laughs> in the background. Yes. Someone, someone Audience, made this happen. <laughs> Audience votes for explosion in Sector B. I, <laughs> yeah. This is just going to devolve depending on how much latitude the audience has to change the show, I could see it. It's like you're watching the Big Bang Theater the- Theory 
and and it works like this and every day the main cast dies like people <laughs> people are terrible what? i don't want this yeah. i don't i don't want to I see want what crowdsourced yeah they're yeah. they're obviously going to put bounds on it and the bounds are going to make it less novel i i don't know i so like i said i'll see where it you. goes Every time we talk about something like this, and then all three of us are like, oh, this is terrible. I wonder what moment this show hits where we've now become old man yells at Get cloud. off my lawn. <laughs> exactly. Guys, I think we were old man yells at cloud Culture. before this ever started. Culture moves on moves on without us, and we become irrelevant. Uh, I think that's what's happening. I think Russ might be right. We started there. Yeah, we're, we're old. Man. Okay, I'm gonna, I got a PSA, and then we're going to shut this bad boy down. Uh, the PSA actually has to do with an article that might be fun to dig into. And uh, Russ, I'm going to give you your title, because the one that I threw in there was gore. Uh, but there's, there was a, an iPhone zero-click Wi-Fi exploit, and it is being referred to in at least one source as the most, one of the most breathtaking hacks ever. Um, I read into it a little bit. It is a clickless exploit that allows full control of your iOS device at a kernel level and can be spread by close contact to other devices. So it acts itself as a worm and then gives you full gives gives the exploiter full access to the to the phone. So the PSA is with stuff like this in the wild, keep your stuff up to date. Yes, iPhones Wait. probably get updated more consistently than a lot of other devices, but the same kinds of things are happening on your laptops and your TVs and all of those IoT devices that now exist in your home. So make sure that they're updated because when researchers find these kinds of exploits, they patch them. You want them patched. Is this an allegory for COVID-19? Nope. Okay. It's tech covid Okay. But wear a mask. That's what it is. <laughs> the, the only other thing I'll say is, and I wanted to mention it in the moment, but uh, when you were talking about the observatory and taking care of yourself, everything you said reminded me of, and this is going to get really weird and off track here, but uh, taking care of yourself physically and like your personal relationships with people, right? Mm. It's a Think lot of, it. of PSAs there at the end. It is, man. Ooh. It is, man. If you ignore it, if you ignore your spouse, if you ignore your health, if you ignore whatever... It's just going to fall apart. And one day you're going to wake up like the article says, and you're going to hear a loud boom and the whole thing's going to collapse. Ooh, that's, that's deep. a heavy way to end it. That's, that right. is, but out, but that is how we're ending it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the tech breakfast podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. This one was a really fun episode. I feel like we got into a lot of stuff. I know I'm, I got my blood flowing. Hopefully all of our listeners feeling that way too. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon if you do. And if you want to, it's out there. Do it. We will talk to you guys on Friday. Thanks a ton. Peace. Later.